you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Now, I want to, we're going to just get serious for a second. And I'm just going to get serious right out of the gate with you. I'm going to tell you something that I really am a bit embarrassed to admit to you as a pastor. I probably shouldn't be admitting this out loud, but I'm just going to get serious with you for a few moments. In my heart, I know that I should always love God with all of my being. But if I were to be honest with you, I'm not always giving him my full love. Like I've been to school and I've studied the scriptures and I've been following him for decades and I, I, I know more and more about God each day. But some days when I get up in the morning, I do my devotions and if I'm honest, I'm just going through the motions. Some days, if I'm really honest and God knows my heart, so I'm not telling God anything that he doesn't know. I'm telling you something. Some days I'm just following the routine and he doesn't always have my heart like he should have my heart. Today what we're going to talk about for just a few moments is the middle part of this sermon series that we call at our core. We call it living or loving fiercely and we're going to talk about what it looks like to love God fiercely And really what that means is to give him the love that he deserves. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Some days I don't give him the love that he deserves. And if I think if you were honest, you would say the same thing. Like he sometimes does, oftentimes does, but doesn't always get the love that he deserves. We're going to look at a really small passage in the Bible. And this small passage comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22. I'm going to put it on the screens for you in just a second. But if you were reading through the book of Matthew, when you get to the 22nd chapter, you have Jesus that's been telling about the kingdom of God, telling what it feels like to be in a relationship with God, to be loved unconditionally by the God of the universe, and to love him and to love others. And then early in Matthew chapter 22, some of the religious leaders come around and they start to try to trap Jesus. This is a good description of what we talked about last week. In fact, if you have a chance and you missed it, go watch our stream from last week what it really feels like to live free. Because you have these religious leaders that are legalists. And they start to try to trap Jesus with some conundrums, some trick questions about the law and about the Bible. They ask him a question about God and government. And they say, hey, Jesus, which one is supposed to get your first allegiance? Do I give my taxes to the government? Do I give my tithe to the church? And Jesus quickly, easily answers that question. You give your You give to both. You give to God and the government. Then they try to trap him with a question about family and God. And basically, Hey, Jesus, I know I'm supposed to take care of my family, and I know I'm supposed to honor God. What happens when these two things feel like they're in competition with each other? Matthew chapter 22, they paint this scenario where Jesus is supposed to be trapped in this legal problem. And he easily points their attention to both God and family. And then you have a guy who stands up, 
and he drops the big one on Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, there's a whole lot of rules and a whole lot of regulations out there, and I want you to tell me you're supposed to be so smart in the Bible, you tell me which rule is number one, which commandment is number one, and I'm certain that everybody in the crowd said, oh, he's got him." Because anything that Jesus answers next, there's going to be somebody who can argue, wait a second, there's another commandment that's bigger than that one. There's something else that's more important than that one. They're basically thinking to themselves, these religious leaders, there's no way Jesus can come out of this one smelling like a rose. Matthew chapter 22, that's the setup for what Jesus does next. And he doesn't miss a beat. Check this out, y'all. When this question is asked about loving fiercely, Jesus doesn't miss a beat. And he tells the crowd, if you really want to know the number one commandment, I'll put it on the screens for you right now. Here it is. It's loving God, loving Jesus because he is worthy of your love at 100%. Matthew chapter 22, verses um, Let's see, starting in verse 37, here's what Jesus says to this religious leader that's trying to trick him. He said to him, Jesus said to this religious leader, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest commandment, and it's the most important command. But don't stop reading there. Because here's what he says next. And this question wasn't asked, but Jesus is going to answer it anyway. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus summarizes it this way. All of the law and all of the prophets depend on these two commands. I don't really understand this phrase, at 100. I think it sounds like at 100%. And when people are sending that out in an emoji or in a, in a text, they're basically saying, hey, you've got it all. You've got 100%. And I really believe what Jesus is saying is that we're supposed to love him fiercely. We're supposed to love God at 100%. We're supposed to love fiercely with all that we've got. And so what I'm going to do for just a second, and be very brief with you today, is I want to take these four verses from Matthew chapter 22, these first and the second greatest commandment, and I want to turn them into a sentence, one single sentence, and the sentence starts like this. First part of the sentence says this, Jesus is calling his people to have a strong love for him. To have the love for him that he's worthy of. Basically, you love a whole lot of things. I love a whole lot of things. I love running. Some of you think that's crazy. I love good coffee. I love my dog, but I love my dog different than I love my children. And I love my children different than I love my wife and the Bible is telling us that I'm supposed to love Jesus different than I love running or my dog or my wife. This is the greatest one, and the greatest one deserves my greatest love. And Jesus is describing what it looks like when you love God with everything, when you love God with this strong love. Now, I want you to think in your mind for just a second, those of you who are following along with me in this room or on the, online, I want you to think about a stool with three legs. 
or I want you to think about a triangle. Because what theologians and pastors will do when they look back at this Bible verse is they'll, they'll try to focus in on the one side of the triangle. They'll look at the words, love God with all of your heart or with all of your mind or with all of your soul. In fact, if you read this in the book of Luke, it adds one more word in there. It adds the word strength. I think sometimes pastors will start to dissect these three words. I don't want to do that for us today. I want us to look at the full triangle. I want us to look at the full stool and say, if you try to sit on a stool that just has one leg, it's not going to hold you up. And Jesus is saying, of course, God deserves all of your mind. He deserves you to love him with your thoughts and focus your attention on him. That's one leg of the stool, one side of the triangle. But he also deserves your heart, which is a second side of the triangle or a second leg of the stool. If you've ever tried to sit on a stool with two legs, it really doesn't work, doesn't hold you up. He deserves your mind and he deserves your heart. But the triangle isn't complete. The stool doesn't really hold you up until we see all three legs of it, until we see mind, heart, and soul. Or the fourth leg of the stool in the book of Luke is your strength as well. Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy the command that every parent was supposed to teach their children. You forget everything else. Teach your children this. Love God at 100%. Love him with all that you've got. Love him with your heart, with your mind, and with your soul. He deserves it all. And not just a little bit of your heart, a whole lot of your mind, and some of your soul. No, he deserves all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. That's what it feels like to love God. And if we're honest, sometimes other things start to get our attention our mind. Sometimes some things start to pull our heart a little bit away from Jesus. Sometimes we start to have our affections and our desires on something else other than Jesus. And I'm trying to say loving fiercely is just loving the thing that deserves your love with the greatest love, giving it what it deserves. So right before this service started today, I queued up this video clip. Many of you will recognize this famous movie scene when you are giving your love to something that doesn't deserve your love. Check this out. Carpet. I love desk. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love lamp. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. Uh, he loves the carpet. He loves the desk. He loves the lamp. And maybe he loves those things a lot, but those things shouldn't get your fiercest love. If I were to summarize the entire uh, Ten Commandments from Genesis or from Exodus chapter 20 for just a second, you could summarize them in these two commandments that Jesus gave. You know that whole, don't put any gods before me. Don't um, use my name in vain. Don't uh, forget to honor my Sabbath. This, is, this command takes care of itself when you're loving God fiercely, when you're giving him everything that you've got. And what Jesus is asking for us to do first is to love our greatest treasure 
with, uh, give our greatest heart to our greatest treasure, to give the king of the universe your fiercest love, to give it to him at 100% always. That's what a strong love for God looks like. But then Jesus adds in the second phrase, and he doesn't even get asked this question. He adds the second phrase in without even being asked. He says, hey, by the way, the second commandment is like it. Like it in order of importance, like it in uh, seriousness. And the second commandment, according to verse 37, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Or according to verse 39, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what a bold love for others look like. A strong love for Jesus and a bold love for others is when you start to put these two commandments together. Now you need to ask the question, when he says love your neighbor as yourself, that phrase as yourself, what does he really mean by this? Does he mean that I'm supposed to treat my neighbor the same way that I do? Meaning that to the same degree that I love myself, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Or is he saying in the same way that I love myself, I'm supposed to love my neighbor? Anybody want to take a guess at the answer to this question? Is it the same degree or is it in the same way? The answer to the question is both. He's saying, I want you to love your neighbor to the same degree that you love yourself, I want you to love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. Now, when Jesus made this statement, if we were reading this passage from the book of Luke in chapter 10, when Jesus made this statement, he knew that the guy who tried to trick Jesus just walked into a trap himself. The guy who heard this statement knew that he just walked into a trap. So this guy starts to try to weasel his way out of the trap. Sometime later on today, go back and read this passage from Luke chapter 10. Because here's what the guy does. He says, um, if that's the case, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Meaning, who really deserves my love? And Jesus answered, I'm not going to tell you the whole Bible passage, but Jesus answers that question with the story of the Good Samaritan. You've heard that phrase before. I need you to understand that the Good Samaritan that Jesus is referring to is the most hated group of people in Israel. And when Jesus is asked the question, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor like myself. Now, I'm going to try to find a loophole here. So who is my neighbor? Jesus' answer is, your neighbor is not just the person, please look up here for a second, that you go to a life group with. It's not just the person that goes to church with you. It's not just the family member that's going to show up at your house on Thanksgiving. Those people of course get your love. But when I'm talking about your neighbor in the Good Samaritan, I'm talking about the person that is far from God. I'm talking about the person that is very different from you. I'm talking about the person that when you love them, they've got nothing to offer in return. That's the kind of person that Jesus is describing when he uses this love your neighbor as yourself analogy. And the religious leaders ask them, okay, who, who is that neighbor? And, and trying to find a way around this. Love requires sacrifice. And Jesus is asking his people to be willing to give up a little bit to the person that can offer nothing back in return. 
hey, Two Cities Church, did you know that this month we were in a position that we could help two people out pay their rent for the entire month of November? Because of the economic fallout of the COVID virus, they weren't able to pay their bills. And you graciously, generously gave way back in the month of April. And we set money aside in the month of April to be able to serve and to take care of people that were in need. And because of that, we were able to write the rent check for somebody, not just one person, but two people during the month of November that were hurting and in need. And we made a huge sacrifice back in April so that we would be in a position in November to be able to help people like this in need. The second half of the Ten Commandments goes like this. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, like Jesus is saying in these verses, you don't have to focus on those commandments because nobody would do something like that to themselves. Nobody would want that done to themselves. So nobody's going to do that to their neighbor. That's why Jesus can wrap this statement up by saying, when you have a strong love for Jesus and when you have a bold love for others, let me tell you what happens next. It eventually leads to an offering worthy of our God. That kind of fierce love is the kind of love that our God is worthy of. Jesus uses the, the, the words, the law and the prophets are completely fulfilled when you do these two things. Now the word law refers to those books of the Old Testament where God sets out the rules back in the Old Testament. In Jesus' day, this is the first part of his Bible. And the prophets refers to the second half of the Bible. So by putting this together, Jesus is saying, you completely fulfilled the entire Bible when you love God with a strong love and when you have a bold love for other people. You'll take care of all of the rest of the commandments of the Bible. They'll just naturally happen when you have this kind of fierce love. See, we're a church that really believes the Bible is without error. We really believe that our God calls us to enter into a deeper relationship with him by studying his Bible. And as we get to know the Bible, we see something about ourselves that doesn't add up. And the Bible starts to show us that there's some changes in our life that need to be made. And that's really what Jesus is pointing out here when he says, love God with a strong love, but love your neighbor with a bold love. And if you'll do these two things, man, everything else will just simply take care of itself. See, we believe this is what it looks like to love God at 100%, to give the one that is worthy of your greatest love, the greatest amount of your heart, greatest amount of your mind, the greatest amount of your soul. This past weekend, I was in San Antonio uh, doing a, a men's conference at a church. And I saw some men that were just broken because of the mistakes that they'd made in their life. I saw men that literally fell on their face on the ground before God, begging for his forgiveness. I saw a dozen men, check this out, y'all, who on Friday night surrendered their soul to Jesus Christ for the first time and who became followers of Jesus Christ. And I came across a video that this church was playing about a guy by the name of Wayne Lunsford. 
I asked the church last night if they would allow me to show this video at Two Cities Church because Wayne personally describes what life felt like before he experienced the fierce love of God. And then Wayne also describes what happened to him when the fierce love of God got a hold of his soul, but not just what happened to him, how it affected the way that he uh, related to other people. So I want you to watch this five-minute video clip, and I want you to hear from Wayne's mouth what this fierce love feels like. And then I'm going to jump back up on stage and wrap this service up. If you're seeing this, there's a better way. I grew up going to church, or uh, more so being drugged to church, but completely rebelled. I was uh, searching my whole life to to, to fill this void that I had in my heart. Um, Never could feel it, though. Uh, Drugs, drank myself to blackout status most of the time, partied. Chased women, chased money, did everything, trying to fulfill this emptiness that, uh, that I had. And um, again, was rebelling against the whole gospel and church. And people would invite me to church and wouldn't want to go because I, I didn't want to sit there and, and, and feel the conviction of, of, now I know, of the Holy Spirit. But it just didn't make sense to me. So I, 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 I rebelled from it. I chased everything of the world. Girls, drugs, money, and um, it just left me empty. I uh, I ended up getting married, and uh, that ended up being a disaster at first, just because again I was out in the world doing worldly things and um, chasing this dream, this false identity, and um, it wasn't until uh, came into an interesting situation where. Um, I was about to lose my family. And um, God started knocking on my heart. And it was like he legitimately reached down out of heaven and put his hands on my heart and just just spoke life into me and told me that, 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 I, that I am worthy, that I need to stop chasing the, the uh, superficial things of life and uh, of this world. And um, answer his calling. I, I I know if you're if you're watching this, you've probably felt that calling your entire life, but you've ran away from it, or you've ignored it, or you try to drink yourself out of it, or or do this or do this, or try to get the nice life, the white picket fence, all that. But it's all meaningless aside from that relationship with Jesus Christ. And He's constantly knocking, and He did that in my life. He came into my life, and I, and I finally just surrendered over to him. Um, he led me to some verses in Scripture that, that you're either for me or against me. And then it just, just hit me like a ton of bricks that I've been calling myself a Christian my entire life. But nothing in my life resembled that, that love that I said that I had for him. So I made a choice. I made a choice. I said, I'm going to either live for the world and know my destiny, my eternity. I would, die and end up in hell, or I'd surrender my life over to him. And I did that. And the next day, I walked into work and started preaching the gospel. So if you're seeing this, there's still hope. There's still chance. God is the 
full fulfillment of that void in your heart. It's in your heart for that reason, because Jesus, Jesus wants to be that fulfillment for you. He will take you out of the lifestyle of sin and debauchery and, 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 and put you in a position uh, of blessings and, and to, to live holy and to live righteous for his namesake. It was interesting because uh, there was times that I was convinced uh, that this is what I needed to do. This is the life that, that I needed to live. And um, it was just the enemy putting lies into my head. And it wasn't until Jesus gave me that clarity he helped me to put the alcohol down, to stop drinking, to stop watching pornography, to stop mistreating my wife, to become a better father, to become a better man. He came into my heart and I gave it all over to him and led me down a different path in a different way. So I encourage you, if you're watching this today, get on your knees. Reach out to Jesus, pray to him, call to him, ask him to come into your heart to take away these things that are just misleading you in your life. There's nothing that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Absolutely nothing. He's our heavenly father and he's, he's, just, he's just standing there with his arms open wide waiting for you to return home. And you can always count on that. So no matter how far you think or what, how, how much bad you've done or wherever you're at, you can change it in an instance. You just reach out to him, ask for forgiveness, repent of your sin. He wants you to come home. He wants you in his house. He, he wants to give you his love, his fullness. And those are attacks and lies from the enemy that keep you away from him. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Wayne's heart was dead and lifeless. And he was trying alcohol, but it wasn't working. And he was trying sex, and it wasn't working. And he was trying all of the things that everything around us is screaming for our attention and trying to tempt you. And he's saying all of that stuff wasn't working. And then in an instant, God reached down and started beating a dead, lifeless heart. When he experienced this fierce love of the Father who would pursue him and chase after him and invite Wayne of all people into an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. What he did for me, what he did for Wayne, what he's done for many of you in this room or maybe those of you who are watching this online. But I want you to notice what happened to his marriage, what happened to him at work, what happened with his children. Because after Wayne's heart started to change towards God, his relationship with his family changed. His relationship at work changed. His relationship with himself changed. And this fierce love got a hold of him. And when he experienced that fierce love for the first time, Wayne started to love other people fiercely. And if you haven't experienced that kind of fierce love, what Wayne said in that video is absolutely true. Just simply run to the Father in faith and repentance and turn to him and allow the Holy One of God 
to cause a heart that is dead or lifeless to start beating for the first time. Or maybe your heart has started to grow cold and started to slip away from him. Ask him to make it white hot again. I'm going to say a prayer for us in just a second. I'm going to challenge you in this room. If there's something that's going on in your heart, you know your heart. I don't. But if there's something that's going on in your heart that's not right between you and the Father, I'm going to pray for your heart right now. I'm going to pray for the hearts of folks that are watching us online who have seen that video and said, that's me. I need that. I'm going to pray that God would start a heart beating for the first time, start a soul, make a soul that is dead alive in Christ for the first time. And then I'm going to pray that God will really give us his strength because let's just be honest, y'all. We need his help to love our neighbor like ourselves. But I'm going to remind you of what Wayne just said. Anyone who is not with me is against me, is Jesus' words. And Wayne came to a moment where he realized, I'm looking at my life, and the way that I'm living doesn't match up to what the Bible is asking of me, what Jesus is asking of me. And so I'm just going to challenge you, don't blow this off. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.